Hi, this is Steve. Welcome back to the story of the Quantum Entangled Sloop. This is part two, where we will discuss the story of the Quantum Entangled Sloop, and then I'll put on my music critic hat for a brief review of the Beach Boys Sloop John B. and how it relates to this story, then our Bible verses and simple prayer. Our story begins on a commuter train, because I was a commuter on this train line, the Metra Electric line from downtown Chicago to uh, the southern suburbs. And I rode that line back and forth and spent over a year of my life on that train. I calculated at one time, over, over a year of sitting on that train. Now, I'm a person who loves to look out the window when traveling and look at God's creation and all that man has created and all the changes that occur. Every time I'm on a plane, I do my best to get a window seat, and if the weather's clear, I look out the window for the entire flight. I started commuting on this train line in the early 1980s and rode that line for 27 years, back and forth, back and forth. And I read a lot of books, I read a lot of newspapers, and I looked out the window a lot. My stop was the first stop on the line going north into the city, so I could always get the seat of my choice, which generally was on the upper deck uh, facing forward with the direction of the train, where I could read, write, or look out the window. I was interested in everything that I saw along the way. In the morning, I would sit on the left side of the train so that the sun would not be shining on me, and in the evening, I'd usually sit on the east side of the train so that the sun would not be shining on me. But I had occasion to observe every inch of that rail line, northbound, southbound, daytime, nighttime, all kinds of weather. I could tell you many stories that, uh, about things that I observed along that line. I could tell you about the nondescript brick building that after some years in practice as a lawyer, uh, I was fated to enter as a lawyer regarding a horrible accident that had occurred in uh, what I had not known before was a rubber mill with big, huge rollers of hot rubber. I could tell you the story of a little 10-year-old boy who was murdered in between my commuter trips under a certain viaduct in a very sad case that made headlines all over the city for a little while and then faded uh, back into memory. I could tell you the story of an island that small island in a small river that the train crossed that had trees growing on it and then it was knocked down and obliterated and went under the under the water only to resurface some years later but that's a different story because the thing that i loved the most the thing that i looked forward to seeing on every trip the thing that i would wait to see was my sloop. The first time that I saw my sloop would have been in the early 1980s, shortly after I started my commuting career. 
It was in the Kensington neighborhood in Chicago on the south side. Kensington is a proud old industrial neighborhood in Chicago that has welcomed waves of immigrants over the years. It sits directly west of Lake Calumet, which now harbors an international port for the city of Chicago, and it's, a, it's an inland lake connected by a river to Lake Michigan. So my sloop had come to rest not far from the water, but had come to rest in a very well-kept, manicured neighborhood in a side yard next to a, some sort of commercial building. It appeared to be perhaps a small factory with uh, a lot of activity going on, people coming and going. And there was a vacant lot between this building and the building to the south. And that uh, the property line apparently went down the middle of the vacant lot. But on the north side of the lot, the grass was beautifully manicured all the time, and the south side of the lot manicured, but not quite so well, so you could tell where the property line was. And the sloop was an old wooden sailing boat, a large one, maybe 40 feet long. I was looking down on it from above on the train line, but when a person would get on it, on top, and I did see a man uh, regularly working about it and on it and cutting the grass around it uh, in the early years. This man clearly loved the sloop, and clearly he wanted to sail that sloop again because every detail of his attention in that side yard was focused on the sloop. The sloop was up on wooden mounts, it had a long wooden hull and a deep keel uh, beneath it. It did not have a mast. Uh, the mast had been taken down before I ever saw it. But you could see where the mast would have been, and there was a large hatch forwarded uh, the mast where one could go below decks. And on my way into the city, as I planned my busy day, I would take a break by relaxing and dreaming that I was sailing on that beautiful sloop out on Lake Michigan with the two white sails stretched taut and a good breeze and a few white caps on the water and a crew of, of, with four others uh, sailing along on the beautiful lake. Now this commercial building adjacent to the sloop was located on Front Street in Kensington and the train tracks ran along the east side of Front Street. A couple of doors north was a building that may have been an old Chicago fire station back in the day when they had horses pulling uh, fire wagons because it was a red brick building and on each side above a, a large uh, door in front uh, were two uh, terracotta horses heads. And down on the north end of the block, there was a tavern. And down on the south end of the block, uh, a brick wall faced the tracks upon which an artist had painted a beautiful mural of a pearl with the slogan, Kensington, the Pearl of South Chicago. Well, I continued to watch, but a few years later, the south head of the lot along the property line was now clearly distinguishable because it was getting pretty overgrown. 
although the north half with the sloop was still well manicured. And occasionally, but less often, I would see the man who loved the sloop and would work around and under the sloop cutting the grass and sometimes get up on the sloop, but less often. And then a few years later came the sad realization that the north half of the vacant lot was now overgrown and growing up underneath the sloop, but then it would be cut again, and but then the grass would get long, and the length of time between the cuttings was getting longer and longer. Now, I wish I'd kept a journal or a diary of all of this, but this whole process, uh, the period of time covered by our story, is well over 20 years from the time I first saw the sloop until the conclusion of the story. So we are now in the early 1990s, and the north half of the lot is not well kept. But then comes a happy day. I must not have paid attention to the sloop for a week or so, because on this happy summer morning, I saw that the grass on the north side of the lot was cut, and not only that, but somebody had been working on the top deck of the sloop. And there was a square area that may have been the hatch cover uh, forward of where the mast would go, and it had been, in my absence, maybe I was on vacation, I don't know, but it was now painted a beautiful, brilliant white. So my guess is perhaps the building had a new owner, possibly. But in any event, somebody had fallen in love with the sloop and was taking care of it and indeed had dreams of repairing that sloop and restoring it completely and getting it back to its life on the open water. And now my spirit soared and optimism reigned and I would look for the man who worked on the sloop, and often I would see him cutting the grass or even up on the sloop uh, working on the deck. And I realized that I loved the sloop, and I wanted to see the man succeed in his efforts. And I wanted to know someday that the man was out on Lake Michigan sailing his beautiful sloop. But as we all know about best laid plans, sometimes they are not to be. The lot, once again, started getting overgrown. I don't know what happened, but there must have been some change. Uh, maybe another change in owners. But this time, the lot really decayed. There was no effort at all to maintain the lot with the sloop on it, and the grass grew high, and the years passed by, and my hopes sagged, but never went completely away. And then I saw a tree start to grow on top of the sloop, a small sapling. And for several years, I observed this tree getting bigger and bigger on the top of my beautiful sloop because now it was my sloop. I don't know if 
anyone else in the world at this point loved that sloop. I don't know if any other passenger on my train or any other commuter train on that line ever gave a second thought in passing to that sloop. I don't know if the sloop had a friend in the world besides me, but I continued my ride back and forth, north and south, day and night, winter and summer, for a number of years, watching the tree grow and the grass turn green and then brown in the fall and covered with snow in the winter and again in the spring. And now it was my sloop. But, of course, the sloop was just one of many things that I kept track of along the line of the train, observing with interest the rise and fall of this or that or the other thing and the passage of long years of time, which have always interested me, and I'll address again in some other episodes. And we had our lives to live and our kids to feed and clothe and take care of and hope and cherish and plan for their futures. So one beautiful summer evening, my wife and I decided to drive the car downtown Chicago and go out for dinner. We were on our way out the door when the phone rang, and it was one of the kids, and my wife took the call, and that delayed us a few minutes. And then we got in the car, and we're happily chatting, and making our way in pretty smooth traffic uh, into the city and on the expressway, the Dan Ryan, uh, north towards the downtown. Where, as often happens, where the Dan Ryan curves to the left and then to the right, the traffic always starts to slow, especially on Saturday nights. So we were now drifting along in a mighty river of vehicles towards downtown Chicago, slowly, slowly, making our way, stop and go, stop and go, inching forwards, paying attention to the car in front of me. When, at a point just north of Taylor Street, I looked up, and to my total amazement, over in the right-hand lane of the Dan Ryan Expressway, heading north, about 10 car lengths ahead of us, was my sloop on the back of a trailer, being towed north in the direction of Wisconsin. I said, Honey, it's my sloop. She said, What? I had never once in these many years told her, my observations of the sloop, but here it was. It's my sloop. We've got to get up to it. Easier said than done in that type of traffic on the Dan Ryan, but inching my way and uh, turning on the turn signal and changing lanes because I was in the left lane, had to make it over to the next to the right lane and get alongside that sloop, and I did, succeeded like the parting of the waters and the Red Sea, the traffic let me over to the next lane right alongside my sloop. And we sailed north together on that mighty river of vehicles for a precious, blessed couple of miles until 
our exit at Ohio Street came up into the Nate Life District, and we had to say farewell to that beautiful sloop. And I kept my eye on it as long as careful driving and the traffic conditions permitted until it disappeared out of my view. But for those long, precious minutes of floating alongside my beloved sloop on that river of dreams, the Dan Ryan Expressway, we were together, bonded by love. My beloved wife, however, always the skeptic, said, how do you know it's really your sloop? To which, of course, I responded, Honey, I would know that sloop anywhere. I've been watching that sloop for over 20 years. But, of course, the nagging doubt had been placed in my mind. And what would be the acid test? The next commuter train ride north on Monday morning. Now, I won't say that I devoted every waking moment until the next commuter train ride and worrying about whether the sloop would be there, but that's because I was confident that the sloop would be gone because the sloop had been purchased by a great benefactor who was going to restore it to its sailing glory and take it out once again on the great waters of the mighty Lake Michigan. Monday morning came. I got on the commuter train, making sure to get my favorite seat on the upper deck left side looking north. And the Kensington station approached where this particular train always made a stop at Kensington. And the minute that vacant lot came into view, my eyes were focused intently upon it, and it became instantly clear that the spot that had been occupied by the sloop all those long years was now empty. I had indeed seen my beloved sloop on its journey north to a bright new future. So, what do you make of my story of the quantum entangled sloop? What awesome force was it that drew my sloop and I together at exactly the right moment so that we could travel side by side for those short precious miles of the sloop's journey towards a bright new life? The scientist in me says it was quantum entanglement, that over the course of years of interacting mentally with the sloop, that quantum entanglement had bound us together. The believer in me says, God is love and love bound us together. The scoffer in me no longer exists. I've seen too much in my life and I'll be sharing some of that with you in future episodes. But the scoffer in me who says, it's merely a coincidence, it has no meaning, no longer exists. Perhaps you've had some occasions in your life that just made you wonder, 
Perhaps you called the friend and the friend said, I was just about to call you. Perhaps you know someone who's awakened in the middle of the night knowing that something has happened to someone they love and they found out it's true, something did happen. Perhaps you've needed help in a desperate moment and the perfect solution arrived at the perfect time. So I leave it up to you to decide because each of us is on our own spiritual journey. But I'd like to draw a parallel, if I might, with the Beach Boys' wonderful song, Sloop John B. What does it have in common, or what does it have to do at all with our story? Well, the title of both contains the word sloop. And the sloop in both stories had a rough time. But the sloop in both stories came to a happy ending. Now, I hope that you did have the opportunity to listen to the Beach Boys' 1966 version of Sloop John B. And if you haven't, please do so now and check that out, the official uh, promo version 1966, Beach Boys' Sloop John B. That's on uh, YouTube or other platforms on the Internet. And please note that that song ends on a real downer, as we used to say in the 60s. Uh, the final line of the song, dating back to the uh, 1647 uh, folk song from Nassau, the Bahamas, I believe. This is the worst trip I've ever been on, is the last line of the original folk song. So now please go to the 2016 version, which contains the important change in the ending. And this you can find by searching uh, on my browser, uh, DuckDuckGo. It comes up under Sloop John B. And it's uh, the version by Brian Wilson and Al Jardine done in 2016 of Sloop John B. And you'll want to listen to that to the very end. So please pause and do that now if you haven't done it already. And now that you've done that, on listening to the Beach Boys official version 2016, you know that in the 2016 version, after the downer line at the end of the traditional folk song, this is the worst trip I've ever been on, uh, Brian Wilson and Al Jardine had a new triumphant ending to the story. This is the best trip I've ever been on. Now, I'm really not a music critic at all, but I'm going to take a stab at this one and tell you how I feel about the song, because I can certainly tell you that. The 1966 version, uh, to me, was just a haunting melody. And it was the contrast between the music which was beautiful, and the lyrics, which were just sad and depressing. It seemed that the lyrics and the music were in contraposition. They opposed each other. And I think that was the 
the brilliance of the song. It just made you think. And to me, as a young high school kid trying to find my way and my place in the world, uh, it gave me a somewhat depressing view. But over the years, that song always stayed with me. And I think it stayed with Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, too. Uh, he, uh, like me, has had his ups and downs in life and struggles, and he has faced a lot of them. It's worth checking out his bio, uh, as I did, and you'll see uh, some of the things he's been through. So when I listened to his 2016 version, and I, I didn't know about it until just recently, but when I listened to that and heard that triumphant ending, this is the best trip we've ever been on, uh, to me that just tells us everything we need to know about the proper attitude to life. And as I go back now and listen to the original lyrics of the song, it suddenly dawns on me that they're all about sin. They're all about what the Bible calls sin. There's drinking all night and getting into fights and stealing from each other in various ways and breaking into the trunk and stealing the food. There's sin in the song. And it's sin that contrasts with the beautiful music. And it's sin that we need to get out of our lives. And if the young sailor, I'm assuming he's young, he's, he's been on previous trips, that's clear from the song. Uh, and I hope he's young, and I hope he grew out of that attitude. And I told you before, I've been a sailor. Uh, I've been in bars late into the night uh, with, with other sailors. There's a bar in every port, especially for the sailors. So the haunting beauty of the 1966 version of the song comes from its contrasting of beauty, the beauty of God's creation with the ugliness of sin and its depressing impact on our lives. God in the Bible states, I set before you life and death choose life. And so the 2016 version by Brian Wilson and Al Jardine with the triumphant ending completely reversing the original ending to end triumphantly, this is the best trip I've ever been on, just sums up Brian Wilson's spiritual journey so far. And I pray for all the best for Brian Wilson in the future because I've followed his career with great interest. I love his music. And in checking on what he's done recently on his website, I see a song called Soul Searching. I see another song called Heaven. And I believe with all my heart that Brian Wilson is going to heaven when the time is right. And I wish him all the best. And in the same way, my sloop, uh, to me, was 
a miniature vignette of the ups and downs of life and that the power of hope, of never giving up, of always believing is powerful. And I think, I believe in my heart that the hope of all the people who owned and cared for that boat over the years stayed with it and that my hope and dreams for the boat, I hope, played some small part in its resurrection from slow decay and a forgotten side yard in the now struggling neighborhood of Kensington where the painted mural of the pearl on the wall is now just a barely visible faded memory. But because of faith and love, God raised the sloop out of what should or could have been its final resting place and sent it off to a bright new life. And God can and will and is doing the same for you and for me and for all of us, all of us in this earth. God is calling to each and every one of us on this earth to come to him. So let's turn to the Bible for some passages that bear on the relationship of the mind to matter and of the importance of thoughts and of prayer. We start in the book of Matthew, chapter 17. In this passage, the disciples had been unable to heal a child who was possessed by a demon and had epilepsy. But Jesus was able to quickly rebuke the demon and heal the child instantly. And when the disciples asked Jesus why, Jesus said to them, and this is in chapter 17 of Matthew, verse 20, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for truly I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Our next passage is from the book of Psalms, chapter 139, verses 1 through 4. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I get up. You understand my thought from far off. You search my path and my lying down and are aware of all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it fully. Next we have in the book of Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 through 13. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call you upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord 
and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And our last Bible selection is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And now we turn to our simple prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the demonstration of your awesome and mighty power in the case of the quantum entangled sloop, no, the love entangled sloop. And dear Lord, we thank you for the lives and the artistry of Brian Wilson, Al Jardine, and the other Beach Boys. Brian Wilson's two brothers, I know, have passed on into your loving arms. As over the course of many years, they found their way to a triumphant conclusion to the story of the sloop John B., and in their own way contributed to clearing the clouds of sin away from the heavenly background of your beautiful music in this wonderful earth and universe. Teach us, O oh Lord, the power of our thoughts and the care with which we must use them and the care with which we must focus our attentions and our desires, and the importance of focusing on love as opposed to any negative emotion. As you have instructed in the Bible, dear Lord, you know our thoughts from afar, from far off. You know everything we do. You have instructed us that the wicked should forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, 
and let him return to the Lord because we need to have good thoughts that will please you, dear Lord. Dear Lord, you have reminded us that the word that goes forth from your mouth accomplishes that which you please and will prosper in the things for which you sent it. Let the things that issue from our mouths, the words of our mouths, also prosper your purposes here on earth. And you tell us, dear Lord, that even the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Material objects, mountains and hills and trees, praise you, dear Lord. And so what about a physical object made by the hands of man, such as a sloop? Does that sloop indeed, like the mountains and the hills and the trees, clap its hands and praise you, dear Lord? And dear Heavenly Father, when you sent to us your only beloved Son, Christ Jesus, to spend time with us here on earth, he instructed us that if we have faith as a grain of mustard seed, we will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Dear Lord, we understand, but can hardly believe, but no, we need to believe that it is true that nothing is impossible for us if we act in you, only in you, dear Lord. And we hear your word, dear Lord, that we are to rejoice always and pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. And we are reminded of the Beach Boys 2016 version. Brian Wilson and Al Jardine of the Beach Boys, the 2016 version and their triumphant conclusion of this is the best trip I've ever been on. Dear Lord, they were giving thanks to you for all that has gone before. The sin, the sin that has been washed away in you by the blood of Jesus Christ, dear Lord. They were giving thanks. So, dear Lord, we thank you for raising my sloop from the moldering, overgrown side yard with the tree growing on top of the sloop. You lifted it up out of that near grave, dear Lord, and you set it forth on a bright new journey. And you brought it together with me on that path for those few short precious miles together. The fruit of my long years of contemplation and observation and meditation and thought and emotion and love, dear Lord, you made evident here on earth. And in the cage of the Beach Boys Sloop John B., you transformed an old, hundreds of years old folk song lamenting really the sinful nature of man against music that reminds us of the beauty of your universe. And in the triumphant 2016 version by Brian Wilson and Al Jardine, the total reversal of the original sad ending of the song to a bright and joyous new conclusion 
that this is the best trip we have ever been on. And as the tape rolled for a few seconds after the song ended, then we hear a voice saying, I think we've got it. Dear Heavenly Father, in you we know that we have a rock and a Savior and a Redeemer. Dear Heavenly Father, wilt thou protect and guide us all in Jesus' name. Amen.